Good day, everyone. It is the 25th of April, 2020, and we're going to start today's episode, which is only episode two, a little different than I am all the other episodes. Today here in Australia, it is Anzac Day, which is, for my American listeners, the Australian version of Veterans Day. The Anzacs were the ones who fought in the Battle of Gallipoli, and today is their Remembrance Day for their nation. So we're going to start the episode out with a moment of silence, and then we'll get into it. lest we forget. So, to draw off of Anzac Day, that always reminds me how the United States and Australia share a very special bond. Australia is the only country in the world that has fought with the United States in every conflict that we've ever been in. And I think it's a true testament to having a true ally for a country that seems so far away, yet seems so close, even culturally. Now, I know part of the narrative when you're beginning to go down the rabbit hole is this whole self-hatred for the country that you come from. And I know that for me personally, once I start going down the rabbit hole, you get into the seeing what the United States did to Native Americans and in Australia here, what Australians did to the Aboriginals. And I think it's easy to get caught up in that self-loathing for yourself and your country when that's not the real message. That's not the real narrative. I think especially it's a testament to how Native Americans fought in World War I and World War II with the United States and Aboriginals have fought in every conflict that Australia's ever been in, I think that's a true testament that even though they weren't treated equally, I think that they did believe, the minorities that is, they really did believe in their country that they lived in. And I want to focus in the future on how we can be one versus constantly trying to rewrite the past. Sometimes the idea of something has unintended consequences. And, for example, in the United States, when the country was first formed, it was only land-owning whites that were able to vote. And an unintended consequence of political theorists back in the day was this concept that all men are created equal. Now, obviously, all men back then had stipulations, but the seed was already planted. And even if they didn't intend for certain things to happen, people used their quotes from their books to get those things. For example, when I studied politics at the University of Illinois, one of my professors had an obsession with revisiting John Locke. John Locke was not a founder of the U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence, but he definitely would have had influence into what they wrote. He was well-read, I would say worldwide read, 
and he was referenced several times during the writing of the Constitution. It's his ideas that were implemented in the United States. It was Locke's principles that he wrote about that were referenced by the newspapers back in the day to create the buzz around the U.S. Constitution to where they... So I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but the Bill of Rights wasn't part of the U.S. Constitution. The Constitution was written and ratified, and the Bill of Rights were the first ten amendments thereafter. So, in other words, the first ten amendments, your Bill of Rights, were not part of the U.S. Constitution, and were only guaranteed after the people had threatened a revolution after the Constitution was ratified. So here's a quick history lesson. The United States declares itself independent. We go to war with Great Britain. We win. The Articles of Confederation were passed, and that's what we used for... I'm going off the top of my head here. I believe 12 years, 14 years, something like that. Not a very long time. But it's, it's the Articles of Confederation are actually how we get state government and all that other stuff. But anyway, so it wasn't until after that the U.S. Constitution's passed and then the people threatened because they actually didn't mind the Articles of Confederation. It was the federal government that hated the Articles of Confederation because we were preparing to go to war with England again, and they didn't have enough power to do so. So they needed something that gave the federal government enough power to procure, if that's the word you'd like to use, supplies from the other governments. The Articles of Confederation recognized each individual colony as their own country, basically. And the federal government was there to levy tax and stuff like that. It, it, it had no actual authority besides purse. And that actually, to a certain extent, is what it is still today. And that's why you have the ability of states like Colorado, Illinois, California, etc. passing marijuana referendum legislation and having it be legal. Federally, it's still illegal, hence why certain banks won't do business with the dispensaries, but statewide it's still legal. So after it was passed is when the Bill of Rights were passed. And that actually makes me think it's actually a little creepy, because I believe it would be easier to amend an amendment than it would be amend the actual Constitution. I don't know, I'd have to look into that. I know it's very, it is very difficult to get rid of an amendment or to pass an amendment, so it's not like it's, you know, easy, <laughs> but it's also not impossible. Anyway, the point being is that sometimes the idea of something has more power than the actual thing, and I believe that to be true when it comes to places like the United States, because the idea of the United States often is a better version than what you actually receive in the United States. And I think it's important to hold on to the idea of what the United States is supposed to be. Now to jump topics here, I'm going to jump into something that I saw someone from the Facebook page share and put into their heading over what I shared. And the person was talking about how during 
their depression, they had this overwhelming feeling that they were Jesus, as in Jesus Christ, as in a reincarnated version of Jesus. And they didn't get better until they let go their idea of what Western medicine was telling them to do. There's a few origins that create this thought, I believe. First off is that we are all God. We are all made in the image of God. There was something in the Mesolet here at church, this is a while ago now, considering church has been closed for more than 40 days probably, but anyway, it was a short little story from the priest, and it was saying about how there was a guy who lived next door to him, he grew up out in the bush out west, and there was a guy who lived next door, which would have been a good fair amount away, and he used to come home every night just absolutely loaded. And his father used to go out every single evening and pick this guy up from the end of his driveway and carry him home and shut the door and lock the door and make sure that he was safe. Anyway, one Sunday he's in church with his brother and the pastor, priest, is giving a sermon talking about how we are all Jesus Christ and every time you see anyone you're looking at Jesus Christ. So you see a crackhead on the street, you see Jesus Christ. You see someone begging for money, you see Jesus Christ. Anyway, he snickered and made a joke to his brother that it was this old man that lived behind him. And his mother slapped him up the side of the head and said, you know, hey, shut up, be quiet. It's true. And then later in life, when he became a priest, he actually understood it a bit more. And now he's the one that helps guide that, that man into his home every evening. There's a good lesson there about how we are all divine. Every single one of us is divine. And I believe it's the failure of today's society to teach you how you are divine and how you are indeed special. This failure creates a lot of modern problems. So back to what he said, it's actually a symptom of mental illness, or so they say, that grandiosity, which is this idea that you are somehow special, that you somehow have powers, or the world owes you something, or you have more control over the world than other people do, that idea of grandiosity is an actual symptom of several different mental illnesses including what I'm diagnosed with, bipolar 1. And I believe that that feeling that you get, that grandiosity feeling that you get, is actually because of kundalini energy. Now, for those listeners that haven't dived into kundalini energy yet, I would highly recommend looking into it, but I also stress to be very, very, very careful the reason why kundalini is so detrimental is because it's so powerful and if you don't know what you're doing you will seriously mess up your life i can give a few examples here number one is um the how the i can't think the amazonians 
when they when they take ayahuasca, you can only take ayahuasca. I believe it at least for the very first time. I'm not sure how it works after that. I think you have to have a certain amount of times that you've done it before you can lead someone else or something like that. But anyway, point being is that you cannot take ayahuasca without a shaman there to help guide you. Because if you don't have the shaman there to help guide you, you're just going to end up doing more harm than good. And I believe that's how kundalini works. If you don't know what you're doing, then you're just going to end up doing more harm than good. Number two, I'll use myself as an example. So if you are more curious about this topic, there's a guy that I highly recommend on YouTube. His channel is called Bipolar or Waking Up. And this guy is very successful. He had no hardcore stressors like I did being in the military. He had a very successful life before his symptoms progressed. And anyway, long story short, felt a lot of the emotions that I felt. And he's diagnosed bipolar. And I think that his channel does a good job drawing into how this energy can overwhelm you and create problems for you in your life. Think of it as you operating at a different frequency. So you're operating at this higher frequency because of this charge being driven through your soul with all this divine energy, and you don't know what to do with it. So to the outside world, you just look nuts. Now, I, th I think, for, I've thought about this a lot when it comes to things like schizophrenia, because bipolar 1, you have psychotic symptoms just like schizophrenia, except it's not full-blown. You don't hear someone or see something. But I always, now I've been to the psych ward, and I've seen people with uh, schizophrenia firsthand. And I think the biggest problem that they face is that to the person sitting behind the desk, it's not real. The main thing that we need to learn, especially when it comes to mental illness, is that just because it's not real for you does not mean it is not real. So one of the things that they love to throw at you when you go down the rabbit hole narrative is that visible light, the light that we see, the things that we process with our senses, visible light only makes up 0.05, I believe. All right, so I looked it up. From what I found on the internet, it's even smaller than what I thought in my head. The internet says 0.0035%. I thought it was 0.05%. Anyway, point being, 99% of what you see out there, or 99% of what is out there, you don't see. And I think that's the problem with schizophrenia, is that just because others can't see it, we believe it not to be true. They can't hear it, therefore it's not true. And I think it's just the failure of modern science to believe that something can't exist if we can't prove it exists. If you want to get into the quantum physics of it, that's where your head will really start to turn because things, there's, if things can only, if we know that things exist without a conscious observer but can only measure something with a conscious observer, how do we prove the things that are, are there without the conscious observer? <laughs> if that makes sense. So... Point being, 
is that a schizophrenic may be seeing things that we can't see, but that doesn't make it any less real. Now, to those people, they may only be operating in, you know, 0.001% more than we are, but that's enough to cause disruption in their life and how they handle other people. Here's another important takeaway from this. If I had what happened to me some years ago now, happened to me a thousand years ago, I probably would have been celebrated. I probably would have been given a seat in my community somewhere near whoever the leader was and seen as a seer or a shaman or whatever. And it's today's world, this world of Western modern science, where we punish mental illness instead of celebrating the differences in those human beings. I believe personally that this is because if you have a mental illness, you're just a more sensitive soul on this plane. You see more, you feel more, you hear more than what most people see, especially the asleep. If you have a mental illness, you're more likely to be awake. And to, in my opinion, you're more likely to be a threat to the establishment because you're not going to think how other people think. You're going to be a threat to the groupthink that is so prevalent and so important to the Illuminati and their agenda on Earth. Now, if you're going to criticize and call me a conspiracy theorist when you listen to this podcast, you're not my people. And you can just, as they say, jog on. Because if I can't get you to understand that there is a global agenda not just for this earth, but for your soul, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't think it's ever been more prevalent than with coronavirus. This coronavirus has really had them show their true colors in public like I've never seen ever before. So to the person who shared that, I really hope that you listen to the podcast and you take away something from what I just said. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to keep doing this for one person to listen. I'm not looking to be famous. I'm not looking to make money. I'm looking to be someone to help guide other people who have been in a similar situation to where I was 10 years ago. And hopefully I can help. Now back to the Illuminati, because this ties into the Trump misquote, in my opinion. The So if you guys haven't seen, it's all over Facebook, so I would find it hard to believe if you haven't seen it yet. But so people will say, well, it's not a misquote. He definitely did say it. No, nah, it was a misquote. He may have misspoke in how he said it, but it's definitely a misquote in the sense that he didn't tell anyone to go inject bleach into their system or go swallow a bottle of floor cleaner. So to give a little background of the misquote. So <laughs> I've been saying this for weeks that, the virus can't live over 77 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a fact. Like I said previously, I had that, that uh, confirmed by someone who studied virology. And I said from the very beginning that the best thing for this freaking virus is to get outside, go get exercise, go get some sun, relax. As soon as you stress, that actually inhibits your immune system. This is why things like cancer are more prevalent in people that are stressed. And IBS and 
upset stomach and high acidity in their stomach and whatever. All that stuff is related back to when you are stressed, your immune system drops and it lets other th- it lets these invaders into your body take over. So anyway, now four weeks late, they're finally covering how sunlight actually helps kill the virus and that it doesn't live long on surfaces and that are in direct sunlight, etc., etc., etc. So apparently they worked with the Department of Homeland Security to find out that direct IV light can kill the virus, break it down, whatever. So Trump was speaking in his normal fashion, which, you know, he's kind of all over the place. But he was saying that, well, if we can use direct IV to essentially scrub the outside of our body of the virus, is there anything that we can find that is like a disinfectant because we know that kills the virus as well that we can use into the human body? He never said put disinfectant, the stuff under your kitchen sink, into your body. To tie this back to what I'm saying about the Illuminati, the creepy part about this misquote is how completely out of context it was taken and how quickly so many different media outlets picked it up. And I think, just like when you go to the grocery store, you walk into the grocery store and there's hundreds of brands sitting on the shelf. But what they don't show you, and anyone that's watched the documentary Food Inc. knows, it's three companies that own every single product on those shelves, even the organics. If you guys think because you're buying organics, you're somehow skipping the link in the food chain from Big Agro, you're, you're crazy because they own all of it now. Coca-Cola, Nestle, they own it. And they control the organic market now because they realized how lucrative it was. Anyway, point being, it's this illusion of choice. Same thing goes with media. CBS, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but it doesn't matter. They're all owned by the same people. Honestly, you really only have the left version of what happens in all those channels, and then you have the right version of what happened in Fox and Murdoch. That's it. Those are the only two opinions on planet Earth, because the independents don't get any airtime. My point is this, is that what happens is, is that people for some reason think, well, I listen to the radio and that's different than the newspaper and I read the newspaper and that's different to what's on television and television people think, well, that's different than what people are listening to in the podcasts and it's, it's all the same. So get over it. It's all the same. And that's why this misquote got picked up and carried so far. Just like I could have told you guys b- before the Kavanaugh hearings with the Trump impeachment, they pick up these very, 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 very loose stories and somehow carry them for a marathon. And that's exactly what's happening with this misquote. And it just freaks me out how they can sway and create memes and all the rest of it that quickly with something that they know is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And because of the fact that people hate Trump so much, they're willing 
to ignore the fact that it's bullshit. If we want to talk about misquotes, oh my god, Democrats, your nomination is a misquote machine. How is it possible that he is the front runner and now the nominee? And do you, anyone listening to this that's a Bernie supporter, I could have told you that he was going to do the same thing that he did in 2016. I get it. All right, the nomination was stolen. Whatever. It happened around Paul back in the day, too. I, I can easily go both sides of the, of the aisle. I don't like being one party. The left has pushed me to the right. They're so far gone, I don't ever think I'm going to be able to go back at this point. I would love to go back. I believe in universal health care. I believe in raising the minimum wage. But what I don't believe is the social justice warrior, I want to be mini China stuff. That's where I draw the line. And this actually ties into Trump, too. Because for all of you out there that may not agree with Trump and his policies and whatever, at the very least, you have to admit the man does what he says. I, I, can, I will never forget sitting in the polling booth in 2016. I lived in Illinois, so what's it matter? My vote didn't matter. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary was going to win Illinois no matter what. So I'm sitting there in the polling booth, and I'm thinking, man, maybe I should just vote. And mind you, I, was, I knew I was going to vote for Trump for months. And I still had doubt, because the media did such a good job telling me that this guy was just a billionaire playboy that wasn't going to do what he said, and he was just doing it because why not? He doesn't care about America. He's just doing it to check the box and just have fun. And I sat there in the polling booth, and I thought in my head, man, maybe I should just go with Hillary. She might be establishment. She, you know, she might be evil, but at least I know what I'm getting. Whereas Trump, it's an X factor. I don't know. Is he going to do any of the things he promised? I have no idea. But then I thought in my head, well, you know, I also voted for Obama, and he didn't do anything he said he was going to do. So why am I going to vote for Hillary hoping that she's going to be some kind of Democrat miracle? I said, finally in my head, you know what? Might as well take a gamble. If it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh, well. And within two weeks, the major reasons why I voted for Trump were because of his stance on China and the fact that he was willing to talk about it. Five years ago, nobody would have talked about China. Nowhere near to what they do today. Even if people agree with what China does, which is absolutely disgusting in my opinion, forced abortions, locking people in, up in camps that are of a religious denomination. But even if you do go that way, you're having to spend more time now in 2020 defending your stance of the Communist Party of China than you ever would have had Hillary Clinton become the 45th president of the United States. And thank God that Donald Trump won that election. Not only by a... He didn't, and this is another thing that I want to squish right now, is that for some reason people think that race was close. That race was not close, ladies and gentlemen. I studied politics. I knew what states he needed to win. And when I'm able to go to bed by midnight on an election night, especially a presidential election night, knowing who's going to win what, that's not a close race at all. 
But that's not how it was sold to us, was it? It was sold to us, oh, well, she won the popular vote. And that's another myth we can get into, is that somehow the popular vote's a better representation of democracy than a democratic republic. There's a reason why Rome is the oldest civilization on the planet, because they weren't a popular democracy like Greece. If you read any of the Greek philosophers back in the day, they'll all say it's mob mentality, majority, tyranny. It doesn't work. This is why guys like Plato and Socrates were obsessed with picking. They wanted it so that the government would decide who you married, who you had children with, what job you did, what was your place in the society, because they thought that humans were so stupid that they could only vote if they were given constant, and I mean constant, government, surveillance, and education. If we went by the popular vote, New York City, L.A., and Chicago would decide every, every election from here until the end of time. And because of the fact that we have the Electoral College, which this goes into a bigger argument of the Constitution, which is about why small states needed certain things in the Constitution in order to ratify it and become part of the United States of America. But if it were for the popular vote only, states like Wyoming, Idaho, Maine, New Hampshire, you could keep Arkansas, Alabama, whatever, would just be completely forgotten about. Do you think, and, and to, to the Democrats living in Wisconsin, do you really think that the President of the United States would campaign or hopeful president of the United States, would campaign in your state if it was a popular vote? How many people live in Milwaukee? A million? How many people live in Wisconsin? Five? Yeah, good luck. Good luck getting any legislation from the federal government in your tiny little state if you go to a popular vote. Anyway, we can argue about the Constitution till the sun comes up. I'm sure there's people that'll listen to this that I know personally That'll just be outraged at what I just said. I see it as complete fact. I don't know how you argue against it. But, hey, people always surprise, right? Rule of one. Let's get back to my original point about the misquote, all right? The scary thing about this misquote is how quickly they can have a narrative from start to finish and drive it into the ground. You don't hear anything about how Joe Biden sexually assaulted that aide in Washington when he was a senator back in the 90s. Now all of a sudden that Larry King clip comes out and we're going to start talking about it again. But I wouldn't be surprised if that clip disappears or whatever. I, 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 here's, my, here's my prediction right now for the future. Either they completely smother this Joe Biden sexually assaulted an aide thing, or they, as you can see by them grooming Governor Cuomo, they pick another candidate to run against Trump in 2020. And the fact that they're saying that the, the convention, because the convention is who picks the actual candidate, this is how they robbed Bernie, this is how the Republicans robbed Ron Paul, is because the conventions didn't go the way that they're supposed to go. But that's like a, that's a whole other 
legal Pandora's box there because you can talk about the legalities of states and how they're supposed to run delegates and what states have it so that it's automatic, what don't, blah, 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 who has the better grassroots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, point being, it's either going to be they squish the story completely, we never hear about it again, they suicide some people off to shut the story down, or they make Biden finally admit that he's not mentally capable of being president of the United States. The guy doesn't know where he is half the time. And they have another candidate, in my opinion, like they keep saying on the news, Governor Cuomo. That's why they keep saying his name over and over and over. Ironically, also, here we go. Why is the coronavirus hit New York City so badly? Why are they saying that they don't have the supplies that the federal government's saying that they've given them? Because the times of crisis make presidents look good. They make politicians look good. Just like when Bush ran for re-election in 2004. What was his entire platform in 2004? I got us through 9-11. I'll get you through the next four years. And that's what you're going to see. with the, That's why all these politicians are going nuts with how much power they have. Because they know that it'll help them come re-election. At the very worst... It's free press. It's a assload of free press. So on that point, I'm going to start to wrap it up now. And if you wanted any more proof about the Illuminati recently, all you need to do is go look up the Lady Gaga photo op for the WHO and the Stronger Together or whatever paradox they decided to call it. If you see that picture of her wearing a nun's outfit that's all white, weird. She dyed her face white, also weird, covering one eye, gee, wonder why, and all the upside-down red crosses on her outfit. I don't know what else to tell you. If you can look at that and tell me that you feel good looking at that picture, then we can't be friends. <laughs> it's that simple. You're not only asleep, you're actively working towards what they want. On that lovely positive note, I'm going to wrap it up, and I'll have another podcast out very shortly, and yeah, have a wonderful day. Stay woke, stay watchful.